And long last, Charlie McAvoy is off the schneid. And long last, we have ourselves a podcast here at Bruins Daily. So yes, welcome to the first ever Bruins Daily podcast. I'm your host, Tim Rosenthal. And joining me is my co-host and one of my fellow peers here at Bruins Daily, Matt Castle. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. We're finally into the podcast world and it's great to be here. Yes, and we here at Bruins Daily try to give you some unique perspective in all of our articles and we're going to be bringing into audio form with some unique commentary, some unique features, and whatever the case is with all the other podcasts. But we're going to be different. We are going to center our episodes around one particular hot topic with a lot of subtopics in between. And man, I'm excited to learn a little more about Charlie McAvoy that we haven't already, believe it or not. I am as well. I think uh, we should get right into it. Indeed. So without further ado, here's the Charlie McAvoy podcast. Well, here we are, our first episode, and we're here to discuss none other than Charlie McAvoy with scoring his first goal in ages, it seems like. It was only May, but it seemed like ages since he scored in game one of that Stanley Cup final. Where were you, Matt, when McAvoy scored his first goal in ages? Well, it's been a long time coming. I didn't, I didn't know if we would see the the day when McAvoy finally potted one. But where I was was on the floor of TD Garden. We were shooting some some post game stuff there, and I got the notification on my phone. I wasn't even watching it live, so I had to wait until I saw the Bruins tweet the highlight of it. Mm-hmm. But what what a goal for Charlie McAvoy to have for his first one of the season, an overtime winner to beat the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean. It's kind of fitting that it came that way. Yes, definitely for sure. And I, while you were in TD Garden in a warmer location than the press box, the level nine press box, I might add, Pete Mandarino and I, our boss over at Bruinsdale, we were downstairs setting up post-game shops. So, and by the way, the press box is much warmer in Chicago than it is in Boston. If you need to make a trip there down the road, and I'm sure you do. But anyway, beside the point, yeah, we were downstairs. We It was a kind of a crazy game to begin with. I don't know how much of the highlights you saw, but what way you cap off that game? It's a pretty entertaining game as well, but at the same time, McAvoy appropriately ended the game, and what a goal he scored, too, on the rush. And, yeah, perfect time to snap a goal drought, I think, right in the home stretch of the season here. Well, it was a gritty goal. Like, there was yeah. nothing flashy about it. The pass was better than the goal itself. DeBrus fed him a perfect pass. And like he said, he just put his head down. And he said, I was going to skate as hard as I possibly could to, the, to that net and see what happened. And that's, I mean, that's the kind of goal you need to break a drought that he was in. Just a greasy goal. And it might lead to more. The floodgates might have just opened for Charlie McAvoy. Yeah, you, and whenever I think someone breaks a drought, it seems like these goals come in bunches. I mean, Charlie McAvoy isn't the only one. Jake DeBrusque, prime example of that. His goals seems to come in bunches, but they also come in timely matter. It's not just when he scores, but uh, how it impacts the game and whatnot, and what it does to the bench, and what it does for the team, and what it does for secondary scoring, which has seen a good uptick as of late, and McAvoy, certainly, you got to add him to the secondary scores as well, but what a a time for him to get off the drought, and what a time for us to to have McAvoy weigh in himself. We, Pete Mandarino and I were in Chicago, as we said, we got some post-game video 
up uh, over on YouTube, on Instagram, on all our social media platforms. So if you haven't checked that out yet, well, you're in luck uh, because we have some sound bites for you. So here's Charlie McAvoy, Bruce Cassidy, and Tori Krug discussing McAvoy's game winner after Wednesday's victory. Honestly, I, I skated back and I thought it would, would be an icing, so I kind of slowed up a bit and then once it, it wasn't, uh, I tried to wheel the net and uh, there was a four checker there and um, was able to kind of put it through his triangle to crutch and from there I think they someone was changing maybe um, and then it was just, just a blitz up the ice. So we, I think we had a three on one and um, kind of took all the thought process out of it. I just said I'm going to skate as hard as I can to the back post, see what happens and uh, JD would have passed. Um, Crutch with a great play to you know kind of attract that D in the middle and then give it over and uh, I just had to keep my stick on the ice. He's still playing very well for us. I know he wants to get on the board. Um, you know he's had a little tough luck. Sometimes he's overpassed at, at times as well. And tonight I, he had no choice on that one. He had to shoot it. So uh, good for him. I'm happy for him. Hopefully at least a few more. Yeah, he's he does a lot for us. So um, I know you know just from talking with him, he was getting a little anxious about it and. Um, um, that's natural and to be expected, but you know he hasn't let it affect his, uh, you know what he does for us, uh, you know the rest of the way as far as um, you know being a great defenseman for this team and, and shutting down other teams' top lines and, and moving the puck and doing everything else well. I, they wouldn't let me up after about 30 seconds. I'm like, let's just, you know, I guess we're staying in Chicago tonight. Uh, um, but that was awesome. We're, we're such a close group, and I could feel everyone's, you know, genuine happiness for me, and um, you know we all share that with each other when everybody does good things so uh that was special gave a lot of guys hugs after the game well you heard from McAvoy you heard from Krug you heard from head coach Bruce Cassidy and yes like Cassidy said Charlie had no other option he really had to shoot that puck Uh, what what were your thoughts after watching that replay again well I think it's not I mean obviously it's great for McAvoy to score and break the drought but it, it really just like to boost his confidence from the season he's had. And you think about Charlie McAvoy, his first two seasons, he was this up and coming stud at a Boston University, super agile, super talented defenseman. And he seemed like he was going to take the torch as the Bruins' best defenseman. I still think he is. But this offseason, he signed a big contract. They were, weren't sure if they're going to get him under the cap, but they did. So you expected McAvoy to take another step this season. Yep. And for him, to, he's kind of having his sophomore slump in his third season, but I think there there was very high expectations for Charlie McAvoy from me, you, and pretty much everyone in Boston, New England, and he was having kind of a rough season in, for his standards, wouldn't you say? Yeah, a little bit here and there. I mean, the scoring aspect was probably the roughest part about it, but it what, isn't like he's falling off a cliff either because you see him every night. He's skating hard. He's producing some in some capacity, whether he's actually telling assists, whether he's contributing um, in other areas, the defensive area, the neutral zone where he can clog things up, and whether he's still learning from Zidane Chara on the top defensive pair. But he's... 
Yeah, I mean, if you look at his production, yes, it's a little down, but that doesn't resonate with the season today. I think it's been good. Maybe not as good as years past, but he's still been a very solid defenseman, and his skating abilities, uh, along with Krug's, obviously give the Bruins' defense a much-needed dynamic in that back end. Yeah, and I think something like this, everyone looks at the the stats for for goals and i think that somewhat did affect him a little bit but i think him going through this drought could have been a blessing in disguise just because of the way he approached it i mean the game before um his ot winner in chicago he talked post game about how he wasn't really thinking about it and what he needed to do to make the bruins a better team was show up play as hard as he possibly can and spark the Bruins offense in the neutral zone and he has contributed in other ways he's on the second power play unit and when that gets going the Bruins are fantastic so he he has contributed in other ways and there are a lot of dynamic weapons on that second power play unit, which could probably be a first power play unit on many teams. But as you were saying about the Vancouver game the night before, I thought that was his best game of the season. Here's a team, Vancouver team, coming in red hot in the Pacific Division. I don't think anyone saw this coming. They had a good young team to begin with, I think everyone thought. But I think they're a little ahead of schedule. And for McAvoy to really post A, a couple of assists, and B, shut down that the young and dynamic weapons on Vancouver, like Elias Pedersen, like uh, Hughes, like Quinn Hughes, like, um, I'm, I know there's a couple other names that escape my tongue right now, but it, they, I'm surprised by what Vancouver's done with that young talent, and you got to give a lot of credit to Travis Green, who's a former Bruin, and the um, GM there, and his name, uh, he's also a former Bruin, Bruins uh, uh, executive, I believe. The name escapes me right now. I guess we'll have to look that up, but you get the idea. Yeah, I mean, Bruce Cassidy says it all the time. Hockey is just about just as much about stopping them from scoring as much as it is you scoring goals. And the Bruins, along with Charlie McAvoy, shut out Vancouver for nothing. Incredible. Yeah. And I think besides the two assists that game, one of the most important plays was some guy ran to Karask and Charlie McAvoy was the first one in there and he got a new exchange of fisticuffs so he's not afraid to step up stand up for himself and his teammates so I think he has shown the ability to to really contribute like I said earlier in other ways than just on the score sheet and which people fall in love with they only look at the stat sheet the the average fan um and I think that's kind of casted a negative look on McAvoy's season. And I guess one other knock about him, and we mentioned that he was there to protect Tuka Rask after he got ran over. He ran over Tuka Rask quite a few times during his career. Yeah, absolutely. Was it last year against the Rangers right before the All-Star break? Yes, like, I believe so. And that was Rask. Um, that's when he missed a little bit of time with the concussion. But the bye week came, and he got rested up just like he did this year. Yeah. Hide well, your milk crates, kids. <laughs> so you have a list of stats here or notable events that have happened since he scored. Uh, yes. what, what were some of your, your favorite ones here? Well, you touched on one earlier, McAvoy and Brandon Carlo linking uh, new three-year deals in the offseason. And 
uh, that's really a testament to what Don Sweeney has done with this team. He's been able to get these guys under contract and once they hit free agency, or in McAvoy and Carlos' case, they were RFAs, but they're to take discounts to stay here. And McAvoy and Carlos are two examples. You look at David Pasternak's contract, $6.6 million for six years. That's absolutely criminal. You look at Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and I know these guys were, at least Bergeron was signed in a Shirelli era. I think Peter Shirelli era, but I think, think Marchand was signed, his newest extension was signed under Sweeney. When they're making what, six, six and a half maybe? Yeah, well, I mean, that's why the Bruins are so successful. They have the ability to get their guys at a reasonable rate, like six point. Six million for David Pasternak, the captain of the Atlantic Division All-Star team, in a tight race for the Rocket Richard with Alexander Ovechkin. You're telling me I can get that guy for six million while other teams are spending what Toronto's got forty million locked yes. up in four players? Half their four cap. dynamic players, but that's taking up what half the cap. You need other areas. Like has their defense improved this year? No. Yeah, and uh one of my favorites from the list was Antonio Brown became a Patriot for a full yes. week. His long tenure. That happened since uh, in McAvoy's gold drought. That was one of my favorites. I'm trying to remember if he came before train Bruins, the Bruins started training camp or right around that time. But it, it's interesting that it coincided with this. Of course, we mentioned Taco Fall a little bit. He was drafted by the Celtics. How about the TD Garden renovations? I don't know, and even when making this list, I didn't know what to think of this. And I don't know if you heard today, but they're going to be changing the seats again in the balcony. Yeah, they're uh, narrowing the armrests, right? Yeah. To make more room. What a catastrophe that no. was. <laughs> but we'll get it's into so that. dark. It's not even, the place is so dark, you know? Yeah. That's a different topic for another day. Yes. Um, let's see, what else we got on here? we still got some Bruins-related stuff. Let's go Tuka and Yaroslav Halak. Both played their 500th career NHL game. And Chara played his 1500. Yeah. There's been, it's been so long since McAvoy scored. Yeah. yeah. Even uh, Metallica sent Tuka Rask a drum set. <laughs> I hope he's putting that, used to, uh, putting that to use. Maybe he did during the bye week. I don't know. The Nationals won the World Series. Kansas City won the Super Bowl. The Bruins lost the Stanley Cup. <laughs> womp, womp. That's the last, that might be the last time we ever talk about that game. We cannot confirm nor deny that, though. <laughs> it didn't happen. No, why or no, Baby Yoda made his debut in The Mandalorian, and we all fell in love with him. If Baby Yoda were to ever show up in the Bruins locker room, what do you think they, how do you think they would react? I have no idea, but did you see Baby Nut in the Super Bowl yes, commercials? Yes. What are your thoughts on him? Oh my God, I think that's a ripoff because <laughs> Baby Yoda's the original. Yeah. I was kind of not surprised by them when they ran their whole social media campaign around that. I thought something was going to happen where Mr. Peanut might have been reincarnated or something. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, I thought something similar was going to happen. But I don't know if I expected a baby peanut to come out of this. <laughs> How about you? Uh, I was not expecting that whatsoever. But, it, it, I mean, you know, it's Super Bowl commercials. That's what everyone tunes in for. My personal favorite one was the Smat Pack one. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. With mm-hmm. Chris Evans, John Krasinski, yep. Dave yes. Ortiz. 
Look who's got smart pack. Oh, of course. It's, and here we go with the Boston accents. That's our first Boston accents on the Bruins Daily Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We just made history. I'll follow it up with a Charlie McAvoy kid. All right, you know what? We're going to transition this into another notable go drought. This one from George Hester's own Jimmy Hayes. Now, I imagine you were at Penn State at, this t- at the time, but do you remember hearing about this at all? I do not. I was for sure in my own college bubble down in State College, Pennsylvania, so I'll let you take the lead on this one. Well, his gold drought ranged from February to November, so right around the same time. This is the same, this was his first year in Boston going into his second year, and the Bruins thought they were actually getting something out of Jimmy Hayes, who didn't produce that badly in Florida, believe it or not. But when he came here, that Whatever success he had in Florida didn't translate as well here in Boston. That was, this is obviously around the same time we had Matt Bolesky come to Boston and some of the other questionable moves from Don Sweeney in his first couple of years as he was still settling into his role as a full-time general manager. But and with Hayes, one of the nicest guys I've ever had to interact with in the Bruins locker room for sure. Shoot the breeze on anything. He can poke fun of himself. I remember the game when he actually scored, um, I believe it was late November, right after Thanksgiving. And he celebrated by throwing the proverbial monkey off his back. And I'll throw it to you, catch. <laughs> yeah, well, we've seen Marshan do that when he's had a couple goal droughts this season. Yeah. He's also he, mixed, And he did that recently, too. He's mixed in uh, some of the flex celebrations yep. after his fight against Winnipeg. and also Oh, I remember that, yes. His goal against um, Vancouver the other night, he did a double one. So I'll have to ask him about that. But, yeah, it's a, whenever you're going through a goal drought, when you finally break through, it's a huge relief. So, I yep. mean, they, they always poke fun of getting the monkey off their back. It's just yep. a, kind of a jab at the fans and the media for... And I don't think he was slumping when he did the Conor McGregor shimmy last year, but that, that was that was, was classic. Electric. That was I the St. Patrick's Day game and, and, and with the green jerseys and warm-ups. I think that should be a regular, though. Like, St. Patrick's Day, you Big can't time. wear them just for warm-ups. You actually have to wear them during the game. Um, Toronto has some great classic St. Patrick's Day uniforms. I think the Bruins, with their... Irish heritage in Boston, as strong as it is, I think they have to wear it on a game on the game day, whether it's on St. Patrick's Day or right before St. Patrick's Day. I'd be all for that. I mean, you couldn't have scripted that Marshan Sully any better. No. Conor McGregor rolls into town selling this proper twelve Irish whiskey, (laughs) gives a speech beforehand. To the Bruins, stepped on the logo, no one said a word, because you're not gonna gonna say anything to Conor McGregor. Gives him a real rah-rah pump-up speech. I was actually talking to DeBrusque um, a couple months ago about his celebrations, and he said that he talked to Marshan before, and he said that DeBrusque said himself that he was going to do that celebration, yeah. but Marshan ended up scoring, so Marshan took the lead on it, which all-time Selly, all-time Selly. I can't, can't stress that enough. 
If it came down to Martian and Nebraska, it had to be a coin toss because we all know Nebraska is pretty emphatic in its celebrations, too. Yeah, and he showed that when McAvoy scored. Yeah. He was so happy. Yeah, it's going, we're transitioning now to McAvoy's celebration as he's in, not only did Nebraska hug him to death, but he was in that bottom of the pig pile. I don't think he breathed easily. And as you heard on our soundbite, uh, he thought. We, the team was going to have to stay in Chicago for the rest of the night. I wouldn't blame them, by the way, because they had the day off the next day. They could have indulged in some deep dish. Lou Malnati's in particular is my Pequods. favorite. Yeah, Bequads, well, Pizones. Absolutely. I think that goal was very emblematic of what this team is all about. This Boston Bruins team, I tweeted it out after it. There's a bond in this team that, that goes beyond hockey. Like, they, mm-hmm. they were genuinely so happy for Charlie McAvoy. Like, DeBrossi saw him literally jump in the air, tackle him. They have a huge pig pile. One of the coolest things I saw was after the game, Charlie McAvoy's doing an interview, post-game interview on the bench. Who's waiting there for him the whole time? Zidane Char, the captain, but also basically Charlie McAvoy's big brother on this mm-hmm. team. He waits for him the entire time while he's doing his interview. Afterwards, McAvoy walks right before he gets to the tunnel. Char gives him the biggest bear hug of all time. It was like one of the <laughs> one of the most surreal moments ever. And uh, you could see McAvoy's his expression on his face was just like relief. Because I feel like there was a big weight on his shoulders, even though he personally didn't put it on himself. I think right. the media and the fans were like, oh, this guy just signed a big deal in the offseason. When is he going to score? And I think the whole team was just so happy for him. And afterwards, DeBrus put something on social media. Yep. It's, it's just that's why this team is so special. Well, you got to think, though, his last goal, regular season goal, um, as I should say, came against the Rangers back in March. He was a Rangers fan growing up, and we all know about that tweet that lives in lore, everything screen-grabbed on the internet, so kids, don't say anything stupid if you don't want to get screen-grabbed, but he hated the Bruins so much at that time, and he was a fan, so, you know, I don't blame him for actually tweeting that, but maybe Karma came back to get him and now I don't know now where do you think McAvoy goes from here well I mean we obviously think he's up for bigger and better things whether it's this year or years down the road I think eventually he'll be in the Norris conversation I don't think he's going to be there this year but I think as we talked about earlier whenever someone breaks their drought goals seem to come in bunches I think I don't know if that's going to be the case for McAvoy, but I think he's going to be more poised for sure. I don't think he's going to hesitate to shoot the puck as much as he did in previous games earlier this season. So what about you? Yeah, so I think, like you said, I think McAvoy is destined for really good things. So big picture-wise, his first two seasons, I thought he was fantastic. Mm -hmm. I thought Charlie McAvoy was so good. He deserved all the money that he got, and I expected him to take a big step this year. I. I was of the belief that he was probably going to be a top five NHL defenseman. Now, that hasn't happened this year, but doesn't mean it can't happen. Right. I think this is, what is he, 21? Yeah. This is a big growing moment for a young kid. This is a really young kid. People, like, forget that he's that young. And he's... He has the talent. Yeah. I think this is definitely just a, a growing experience for a young stud in the Bruins 
program. And to think he's actually been here a few years. He debuted in the playoffs a few years ago against Ottawa, really shined in that series in the losing effort. I think he might have taken a step back the uh, next playoffs, especially in that second round against Tampa, but the whole team took a step back from that matter. But he shined, I think, in the playoffs the third year. And we've got the playoffs coming up in a couple months, so maybe you have to keep an eye on him as a potential uh, playoff MVP. Maybe he's one of your X factors. I don't know. For me, I think McAvoy is definitely destined for good things. His first two seasons, I thought he was incredible. I thought he was a really, really talented young kid, and he deserved the, the contract that he signed this offseason. And I think this is going to be a really big lesson for him, a growing growing pain, as they say, because you know he hadn't really faced too much adversity. But I think this is good in the long run for the Boston Bruins um, because – McAvoy is a center part of their defense. I mean, if you look at how they got to the cup last year, besides excellent goaltending from Tuka Rask, they had great defensive depth to shut down whoever they played, Carolina, Columbus, even Toronto to a certain Mm -hmm. extent. Um, And if they get their center piece back in Charlie McAvoy, if he can become as good as we think he can be, I think that the Bruins have a great chance of – going just as far as they did last year, maybe even taking that next step and winning a game seven. And just think, to have a cornerstone with uh, in McAvoy, to have a cornerstone in McAvoy as your top pair, to have Brandon Carlo as your second pair, that uh, two right shot defensemen. Very few teams have that luxury of having two stable young guys who will be here for years to come, I believe, and solidifying that top four on the blue line. Yeah, I mean, they're so young. Like I said previously, people forget that Charlie McAvoy is 21 years old. He is going to be here for the long haul. He could be here for the next decade. He could be here 2030 and we'll be talking about Charlie McAvoy. But he's, he's so young. He's so talented. He's, he's only still growing and learning. And that's a great part about having Zidane Chara next to him. There's no one, to, no one better to learn from than Zidane Chara. Um, they're only going to get better. I think Charlie McAvoy has a chance of being a top five defenseman in this league. I truly believe that. Talent-wise, it takes a, a slump like this to really maybe motivate you more. I, I don't know if this is the case with Charlie McAvoy. I don't know if you feel this way. If, like, he signed this big deal and maybe got a little complacent. What do you think about it? I personally don't see that, but some people say, hey, he got a taste of the money. Yes, uh, yes and no. I think initially, whenever someone signs those big contracts, I think maybe you see a little bit of a drop-off at the beginning, but I don't think there's complacent by any means. I just think they're trying to, in some case, trying to do too much to impress. And But that, has, that wasn't the case with McAvoy, I don't think, even early on. And it wasn't the case with David Pasternak a few years ago as well. It wasn't the case with Brad Marchand when he signed this big contract. It wasn't the case with Patrice Bergeron either. So there's a trend here. Yes, they're making their money. They're making a healthy living. But they're not complacent by any means of the imagination. And I think that has a lot to do with the leadership core in the Bruins locker room with Zidane Char, Patrice Bergeron, Krejci to a certain extent, mm-hmm. where there there's a way, like, there's a certain way the Bruins operate. And if you don't come up to that standard, um, you're just not going to play. Because, like, Patrice Bergeron, he's like 
the most holy person of all right. time. Like that commits right. no sins. Great guy. He holds people to a certain standard. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like people respect Bergeron because of that. And he, people don't step out of line too much. And also people love to be here. That's one of the yeah. main reasons McAvoy resigned. If you yeah. heard him in his exit interview last year, he was like, I want to be here for the rest of my career. He's he like, does. Yeah. I, I love it here. I've, this is the only thing I've known. I played at Boston University my first couple of years here. He had gone through so much. Getting getting to that cup final, that team went through so much. They started off in China all the way to game seven and to end the way they did. Devastation. Like These guys want to be here. And I think he was the one hurt the most in that locker room after game seven. We were both in there. We knew how somber that uh, locker room was, you know, and it's probably one of the toughest things you ever have to do as a writer or as a media member to co- go in the losing locker room of not just any playoff series and not just any Stanley Cup final, but a game seven. You're so close. You're tasting victory, and it's out of your all of a sudden it's out of your ga- grasp. That was that's a so last year was my first year covering the team. That was a moment that I will never forget because they held us out of the locker room for way longer than they usually do. So you knew something was obviously they lost in game seven. So you knew they were going to be upset, sad, but I, I personally didn't know what to expect. We walked in there. I think the first thing I saw was, uh, Joachim Nordstrom hugged one of the Bruins PR people and was was just crying like tears, waterworks everywhere. So I was like, Oh, it's like that. And then we see, we have a couple scrums. There's like Chara, Tukarask. You remember DeBrus though? Yeah. Was just sitting dead center locker room. Hadn't taken off a single piece of his gear. Now they had been off the ice for almost a half hour. Yep. And he didn't take off. Only thing he took off was his helmet. Hands in his face, just a puddle. An absolute mess. And that was the same thing with like, obviously McAvoy had changed and was taking interviews and stuff. Mm. But that was, it was just a tough sight to see. I was a 20... It was like 22, 23 year old kid. Mm-hmm. I saw Zdeno Char cry. Yeah, that was messed up. That was so and messed then, up. And then at the Bruce Cassidy's press conference afterwards, he was very shell shocked as well. He was a man of few words during that press conference, which is very rare to say. I even asked him if he had anything to say to his team, if he had any specific message he wanted to address, and he said, they didn't want to, I don't think they wanted to hear from me. Now, I, I don't think that's true by any means of the imagination, because he has so much respect inside that locker room after coming into a tough situation um, after Claude Julian was fired, but man, Talk about a guy who um, you very rarely hear um, limited to a few words, Bruce Cassidy. It was a, yeah, it was unbelievable. Like I said, there was, there was a few moments during that season that I will never forget. That was one of them. The other one with Char when he came back with the broken mm-hmm. jaw for the Stanley Cup. That was electric. And then the Winter Classic. Those were my takeaways from last season. But I want to ask you something moving forward. Charo is only going to be here for so much longer. And like we said, McAvoy could be here for the better part of the next decade. Who do you envision playing alongside McAvoy when Charo leaves? That's a very good question. I don't know if he's in the system right now. Yes, I know Matt Grizzlick and McAvoy are probably the favorites to be the top pair if they stay around, stick around for the foreseeable future. But you got to look at Providence. Could Jeremy Lozon, he's 
playing on the right side right now. He can go back to his left as he a top-pairing defenseman. Same with Euro Vakanen down in Providence. So I would say those are my three favorites right now. Uh, but quickly, to go back to your, uh, your point on Chara, I don't think they would have been in this position had he not taken another pay cut. I don't, yeah, he saved up well, obviously, so I don't think money's necessarily the primary issue for him, but he easily could have been making the same amount of money, the $4 million um, one-year deal that he signed after his last contract um, was after... I want to say 2017, 2018. Yeah, he was. Uh, he had a contract year. And he took and he signed for four million. He easily could have signed for that, but he uh, took uh, less than half of that and put the Bruins in position to sign Carlo and to sign McAvoy. Here's the thing: I don't know if the Bruins offer him four million. No. So yeah, that's he, probably the thing too. What Chara's thing is is now just for the love of the game. Yep. You don't get to 42 playing hockey if you don't love it like the the no. guys that stick around that late like yager and stuff those guys love it yeah. and also the the bruins weren't going to offer him four million dollars no. so he took what he could get which he said money's not really an issue for chara and like he knew he wanted mcavoy mm-hmm. here there's no way and I, carlo because whenever charlie mcavoy goes down to injury guess who's there to step up Brandon Carlo, unsung yeah. hero of the the Bruins this year, probably going to win seventh uh, player of the what do they call yeah, it? Yeah, seventh player or nothing, the seventh player award. Yeah, last year was it Chris Wagner? Yes, Walpole's own. Yes, I think Brandon Carlo, Charlie Coyle is another candidate too. So you could go from Walpole to Weymouth maybe. Or here's the thing with Charlie Coyle. I was talking to someone the other day, and they said they're like, "Who's that guy that signed?" just recently signed a, a big contract with the Bruins. Like, they they haven't got anything out of him, which is not true. Charlie Coyle's a vital part of this team. <coughs> His versatility really helps this team to go to center or wing, too. True. I like him better as a third-line center. I think that's the ideal spot for him. But if needed, he could skate with David Krejci and Jake DeBrusque in case of injuries or what have you. What do you think the, the most ideal third line is? Because for the longest time, I've always thought it was uh, Bjork, Coyle, Heinen. That worked in the preseason. It's worked in the regular season while they do it. But they've just been all over. They've been a mess. They've been all over the place with injuries and also inconsistent play. They just scratched Heinen. I know. The other night. And I think a lot of that is going to depend on what happens at the trade deadline. Oh, Matt, that was a lot of fun talking about Charlie McAvoy on the heels of his first goal in about eight months. I, I learned a lot today discussing McAvoy. What about you? Absolutely. I think we hit the ground running with our first episode here, and I can't wait for future episodes. What do you think we're doing next? Well, we got the trade deadline coming up, and there is always a good debate over which options suit teams better are they the big marquee splashes or are they the cheaper short-term options that can fill a second line third line fourth line role in that regard i think the bruins will probably be looking at both of the avenues i don't know how you feel about that but i think we'll have a nice hearty discussion over that for sure yeah and i think down the line maybe a feature on our guy david posternock 
Of course, he's having himself quite the season right now, and um, it might be one of the greatest in Bruins history. By the maybe not as good as Phil Esposito or Bobby Orr individual-wise, but it might rank right up there. They might call him Mr. Rocket Richard after this. I don't know. Yeah, he's in quite the race right now. He stepped off a little bit, but um, we're going to have quite the discussion over that. And one other topic we will really be interested in, and of course, everyone's favorite goaltender, Tuka Rask. Tuka. Hide your milk crates for that episode, kids, but that will be coming down the line as we continue to record our episodes here in our office right outside the Seaport District. That's a wrap. Yes, it is. For Matt Castle, I'm Tim Rosenthal. Thanks for joining us. Leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download our subscription, and we'll talk to you next time. We belong, we belong together.